0: downtown Milheim, in the smack dab center of the Keystone State, this is Lou Bryson with Seen Through a Glass, the podcast that's mostly about drinking in central Pennsylvania. Welcome to episode five, Big Night, Shy Bear, and a glass of wine. I forgot to tell you the exceptional thing we did for Christmas dinner. We decided to make a timpano, the starring dish from the movie Big Night, a family favorite. It was a massive undertaking and we had no idea how it would turn out. I'll tell you that tale. The rest of our episode takes place around Lewistown. Back in November, I sat down with Jason Euphema, the founder of Shy Bear Brewing, and kind of the inspiration for this podcast. We talked about the varied, large number of beers they brew, their small but great menu, our shared love for smoked beers, and a lot about flavor. Then just last week, Kathy and I rolled back down the mountain to Reedsville. We had a late lunch at Seven Mountains Wine Cellar's tasting site in town, the Stonefly Café. And then we took a spin northeast up the valley to Hungry Run Distillery's tasting room to see what they had. I'll tell you all about it. But first, here's what I'm drinking today. What I'm drinking today is the latest release of Elijah Craig Barrel Proof Bourbon. This is the A123 release. A means it's the first release the, of the year. 1 means it was released in January. 23 means it was released in 2023. Elijah Craig comes from Heaven Hill Distillery. I, I've been drinking Elijah Craig bourbon for, wow, ever since I really started drinking bourbon in the in the, in the 90s. Uh, this is a 12-year-old bourbon. It's not chill-filtered. And as I said, this one is barrel-proof. So it weighs in at... One twenty-five point six proof, sixty-two point eight percent alcohol, and as I said, it is twelve years old. So, mm. so hot vanilla, cinnamon, <clears throat> and corn, and uh, what I like to think of as oak spice. This is uh, this is pretty straightforward stuff. Let's taste. Even at. 125 proof this is drinkable this is pleasant i mean there's obviously some heat but I mean, you didn't hear me scream <laughs> it's got a delicious sweetness um the elijah craig 12 year old has always been a very approachable friendly whiskey wow that's really really quite good uh, the oak is a little more prominent than usual mm. but there's um there's a lot of good vanilla from the oak this is toward the uh, top age where I still like a bourbon. I don't like them too old. But this stuff's really weighing in nicely. This is should be available in the Pennsylvania State Stores. It has a suggested retail of $70 for the bottle. The State Store is probably going to come fairly close to that assuming you don't have to get in the lottery for it. This may be a lottery bottle. I'm not sure. But I, I'd recommend this one. This is... This is good whiskey, and that's what I'm drinking today. When I went to Shy Bear to interview Jason, I went down 322 like I usually do, but I was running a little early, so I decided to get off at the Reedsville exit. I'd never been in Reedsville. I was stopped at the light and happened to look to my left, and there was the Stonefly Cafe, the tasting room slash restaurant for Seven Mountains Wine Cellar. I saw a couple in the window and the looks on their faces as they forked in their food made it clear I had to check this place out. The chance came just last week. Kathy and I stopped in on a sunny, cold afternoon. There were a couple other people there having lunch. We took a look at the drinks menu. There were five Pennsylvania beers on tap and a winding path cranberry cider and there were cocktails made with Pennsylvania spirits. But we were there for wine and Seven Mountains has a wide selection of fruit wines, fortified wines, sweet and semi-dry wines. Our attention was caught by the dry reds. A listener had recently mentioned that they'd like to find dry reds in Pennsylvania, so we owed these a try. I got a glass of Malbec. It was inky dark red in color with a dry Venice aroma and just a hint of dry cedar. The wine had a touch of rustic roughness that was completely welcome. It integrated well with the tannins a good glass. I tried Kathy's Pinot Noir, which didn't quite measure up to the Malbec. There was a kind of doctor's office hint to the nose that was off-putting, and the body was quite light. We ordered our lunch, deciding we'd split a couple things. The potato soup was not what we expected, more like a loaded baked potato soup, quite thick and hearty, with grated cheddar and crumbled bacon. It was delicious in every way. We also got a roasted grape and gorgonzola flatbread. It was crisp and crunchy, which I prefer to hot and floppy. The grapes made a sweet note in among the cheese and fresh rosemary. Stonefly Cafe gets fresh herbs from Hostetler's Naturals in Milroy, and this was beautiful rosemary, vibrant in aroma and appearance. The gorgonzola was rich, but a bit muted on the sharp end. I decided to get another glass of wine, the Cabernet Franc. We both really liked this one. It was big, with good fruit and tannins in bountiful balance. I had it with our salmon panini, which had grilled salmon with plentiful greens, capers, and red onions, goat cheese, and a balsamic glaze. Kind of a lunch take on a salmon breakfast bagel, and pretty good with the red. It was a nice space, with a bar, window seats, and a deep dining area. Service was attentive and cordial without being overdone. By the time we finished our piece of peanut butter pie, oh oh yeah, we had dessert. It was yummy. We'd both decided we'd have to come back. Maybe for dinner, a good stop. We swung by Shy Bear to get a few pictures. I'll admit, I was still really new at this when I interviewed Jason and I forgot to get photos, and then crossed into the next valley over to wind back to Hungry Run Distillery, arriving just after they opened at four o'clock. Hungry Run sits in the middle of the valley, nothing around it but fields, farms, and forest. It's an attractive black-stained timber building that was still decorated for the holidays. Inside was a large open room, a bar and merch counter to the left. In the middle, tables, and on the right, a lounging area with armchairs and couches facing a fireplace. We were the only visitors at that time. Dave Rhodes greeted us from the bar. He took us through what they had, starting with the vodkas, a lot of different flavored vodkas, but we quickly shifted him towards the whiskey. He poured us little samples of their bourbon and an American whiskey, which had a non-dominant mash bill of corn, rye, wheat, and malt. The American whiskey was mellow and sweet, mixable, but not a standout. The bourbon was fairly young and aged in industry-standard 53-gallon new charred white oak barrels. I'm sorry. Let's do a quick bourbon lesson here. I'm used to writing for whiskey geeks. By federal regulation, to be labeled bourbon, whiskey has to be made from at least 51% corn, and distilled to no higher than 160 proof. Then it has to be aged in a new, charred oak barrel. It's almost always white oak, but that's not specified. I said that 53 gallons is the industry standard, but it's not a regulation. It's just the usual size. Some distilleries use smaller barrels. There is no minimum age. A whiskey can literally be in the barrel for five seconds and still be considered whiskey. But if it's under four years in the barrel, the label must tell you how old it is. If it's two years or more, it may be labeled as straight whiskey. If it's four years or more, the age may still be on the label, but it is not required. It has to be bottled at no less than 80 proof, 40% alcohol by volume. Smaller barrels are often used to get color and flavor into the whiskey more quickly, because more of the whiskey is exposed directly to the wood, But many whiskey drinkers feel that unless a barrel is, say, 30 gallons or larger, the whiskey tastes distinctly different. Most of us would say that in the larger barrel it tastes distinctly better. On the other hand, the whiskey in the larger barrels does take longer to mature. Look, I promise, we're going to do a full episode on how whiskey is made at some point in the future, with distillers helping me explain it, and beer, and wine, and cider, all that stuff. But I wanted to give you a little context when I said that Hungry Run's bourbon was surprisingly good for young bourbon, aged in full-size barrels. I mean, my eyes went wide. It was that much better than I was expecting. I would have just gotten a good-sized tot of it with a glass of water back, but I had to get home to Milheim. Instead, we opted for the draft cocktails. Kathy got the cranberry-orange bourbon cocktail. Very pleasant holiday-winter mix, with a spanking fresh sprig of rosemary, and three whole cranberries as a garnish. My blackberry fizz, blackberry vodka and ginger ale, was set off with two luscious and large blackberries and another sprig of rosemary. It was all lively and refreshing. After we had gone home, I called owner Don Logan. He confirmed and expanded on what Dave had told us. Things were going well, and they were in the midst of expanding from a 60 gallon still to a 230 gallon still, a substantial increase. He also told me about some distilling they're doing with Rosen Rye, a heritage strain of the grain that used to be the standard in Pennsylvania rye whiskey. Dave was very excited about it, telling how good and different it tasted coming off the still on their first run. Some of that's in barrels now, and I'm looking forward to trying it. Anyway, when we left Hungry Run, we drove southwest into the sunset and decided that's a nice little triangle there in Lewistown, Stonefly, Shy Bear, and Hungry Run. And there are other places that we'll have to add in the future. Oh, right, Shy Bear. Let's get to that interview. Look, I'll be honest, we did this back in early November, like I said. I was still pretty new to the equipment. Let's just say the quality has gotten better. I still think you'll enjoy it. Hey, Jason. Hey, Lou, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you today? I uh, can't, uh, can't complain. We're, um, we're sitting in Shy Bear. It's not open today, mm-hmm. uh, so we have the place to ourselves. That's actually one of the things, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about. This is like, I was thinking about what Shy is like, and I, and I thought of that old story about the six blind men and the elephant, yeah. you know? Because you've got you've got a bar that really feels like a bar, right. which is not always the case at, at breweries. Mm-hmm. You've got this really neat little kitchen off the bar and, a, and an interesting menu. You have a retail store, packs of cans, some bottles. You've got uh, this covered deck dining room that we're in, which is one of my favorite places. <laughs> and, nice. and then you have a, uh, a large outside area with a stage, and you, do, you have a, a smoking... smoker out there as well for for barbecue yeah the smoke shack did I miss anything
1: (laughs) Uh, well uh, eventually soon to be a private dining room across the uh, across the dining uh, or across the the parking lot oh okay uh, which will be uh, for uh, the intimate type of Deals, uh, anniversary, birthday, rehearsal dinner, kind of thing like that. So that will be another layer to our In, offerings.
0: What, like 30 seats, 50? Uh, about 40, okay. around 40 seats. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you are, um, and I didn't realize this until I uh, started looking into things for the interview, you're largely solar powered, is that correct? Yes, we are. That's great.
1: Yeah, yeah three uh, currently 317 panels that we installed about 10 years ago. Uh, we have another forty eight being installed uh, q one of uh, of next year uh, on our um, on our um, uh, barrel uh, warehouse, which okay. is the uh, the the warehouse there at the top of the hill. Uh, that's where we have another small cooler, and uh, currently where we cle- keep all of our clean barrels, all of our wild barrels are in the private dining room. Smart
0: to keep them separate. Yes. 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 yes,
1: we've learned the hard way. <laughs> yes, that that's, uh, oh, no.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I know that you do it. I know Sierra Nevada does it. I know Victory does not I'm sure there are others. Is there a downside? I'm just trying to figure out why more places don't.
1: The private dining room?
0: No, the solar panels. Oh, I'm sorry. i sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. How? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, Pennsylvania does get the second least amount of sun in the ah. con- in the continental
0: U.S. Really? Uh, yes. So we have to... Oh, oh, because of weather. Because of what? Okay. I was thinking because of latitude. I'm like, that oh, yeah, yeah. You kid. Know, okay. Cloud cover. Lots uh, of clouds. La-
1: Lake effect. We do get the least amount of uh, what would be convertible BTUs or, huh. or kilowatt hours because of it. Okay. So, um, and obviously there's been just because of political nuance to the... Uh, to the subsidies and everything like that we've uh, we've had a lot of ups and downs with what would be those those um, the the perks of doing solar solar energy Uh, but luckily um, with uh, some of the new programs uh, right now for sustainable energy uh, we we see that that's gonna just get get better and yeah and and electricity is certainly not going to be (laughs) less expensive in the future no so those those investments feel like they will only gain in, um, in, in in popularity side note though is that every year that a solar panel is up you actually it degrades right a little bit so you do there is a, a replacement cost at some point but similar to a roof you know you, those are just costs of doing business
0: well you've get I mean what the the underpinnings the infrastructure in place you've already got all that correct you just have to replace the panels yeah i shouldn't say just it's not, not a minor expense but
1: well no the hard part is the framing the wiring that goes to the
0: inverters the right. uh, and that's all
1: the licensing and and, and all of the things that for the for the puc all of that is the headache uh the panels themselves are re- relatively pop and uh pop into place and and replace cool. when needed Okay, and you can do it at at will too. You can decide oh, yeah. to just do one array at a time. Oh sure,
0: yeah. yeah. Getting back to the <laughs> the heart of things, yeah. um, your beer selection mm-hmm. ranges all over. I mean, just looking today, sours, IPAs, a rye IPA, mm-hmm. uh, a mild, which you don't see very much, and a and a smoked beer, which you don't see very much. Mm-hmm who's your brewer what's their background why do we have so many different beers
1: well uh roger mckelvey is our brewer uh he's been with us for about four years now roger started at cigar city in um, florida okay. really he tells a great story about it that uh he started in uh he was uh, uh in um in construction for a long time in the in florida mm-hmm. he was laid off Luckily, he says he just um, he had a friend who was working at Cigar City and said, hey, listen, we just need somebody for packaging. And within six months, he was already the supervisor for all of the packaging of of uh, of Cigar City uh, then started in uh, doing uh, helping with anything that was that was necessary. He wanted to he was a sponge. He wanted to learn as much as he could. So then it was into um, treatments and uh, barrels. And from there, uh, got onto the brew deck. And by the time he left, he was assistant brewer. Almost sounds like construction was holding him back. Uh, I feel like I feel like for his, he was he was homebrewing, and I think that 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 was something that was in his soul. Mm-hmm. It, it was something about creating, and something that could exercise parts of his brain that just weren't being weren't being exercised yeah and so I think that that part of of that and also there's the sensory side of anything that people who love to do what they do if you can't taste the uh, the benefits of what you what you do and you could drive your car over a bridge that you built and have pride in it um, but there isn't that satisfaction maybe in in something as finely crafted as a as a well-made beer right So uh, I think that there's, um, that definitely speaks to his personality. Nice. But the selection was something that when deciding to do this was something that was near and dear to my heart was that I didn't want to chase trends specifically, Mm -hmm. but I wanted there to be half beers that were made to style and half beers that had a certain amount of whimsy to them. If you can create a, a, an experience for people who are either getting into beer or people who have been enjoying beer for a long time and have a fresh perspective on a style, then I think we're doing our job as stewards of the craft industry. If we feel like we are being led down a path where heavily fruited sours and IPAs are the only thing we do, then I feel like, sure, there are moments where I would say, well, we could be known for that, and people would come here in droves, But I don't want to be on the opposite side of those styles being unfavorable and then sitting here and looking at, well, how do we define ourselves now?
0: (laughs) That is forward thinking.
1: Well, it was something that I I found in the coffee industry for many years was that we didn't follow dark roasted trends. We stayed true to balance. Uh Uh-huh. And that's still our, our motto with everything we do now, the balance in, in, in the food pairings, the balance in, this, in the music that we provide here, and to your point of our different levels of dining here. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're feeling like you would like to be at a bar and you want the brewery experience and the bartender leading the experience, then we want that experience to be something you feel. If you want inside seating, control climate-controlled, we have that. If you want to have something a little bit more rustic out here in, in our um, in our porch, and then the beer garden feel outside, and mm. and want the the music, and so you can you can hide, you can seclude. In some instances, you can also come to Lewistown and be somewhat anonymous um, in some ways, which I think <laughs> I know a lot of people in the center county area and people in the harrisburg area you know i feel they go out they see the same people um, sometimes they want to come here and have conversation and not necessarily feel like they're being bombarded with the same old
0: I, I almost feel like i'm i'm speaking strictly for myself but i know i'm speaking for a lot of people in in center county it's an easy way to get here mm-hmm. I mean, it's right down 322 and then what less than 10 minutes up the road
1: yeah we're, we're so used to driving anywhere to get things that to
0: us, it's yeah. it's a it feels like
1: a, a, an everyday occurrence that we have to drive somewhere to, to do something. So when people tell me that they don't come here because of how far away it is in Center County, and I just, I kind of, I, I kind of give them a face, you know, that, uh, uh-huh. you know, well, come on, it's not that far. No, but, it's not. <laughs> but, you know, I understand if people are, um, you know, how busy in, in today's day there's so many things on everyone's plate that uh, maybe they can't squeeze it in as much as they can just going to their neighborhood jaunt. But to me, and I think uh, our, our sales have, have shown that our, the word about us is continuing to spread and people are willing to make long voyages to come and experience it and go home and feel like they, they saw something or experienced something here that they... I, I don't know if they expected. Mm-hmm. Because the expectation,
0: I guess, is always what we work on. I, I know the, the first time I came here, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not a guy that stays home. I'm not a guy that, that doesn't try new beers. The first time I came here was the first time I had a Kvike East beer. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting to find that in Lewistown. Right. Here it was yeah and it was it was really good right yeah, yeah i
1: remember you uh rated, yeah, it, rated yeah. it really well and, i raved uh, a little yeah. about that yeah <laughs> i was like i was like wow this is pretty cool i said this uh uh we uh we made an impression on you and that's yeah. uh, and that's the that's the goal
0: yeah well speaking of which um one of the things that has caught my eyes every time i've been here i had once silken static what's what's the story on the name what's the story and what it is
1: well, we wanted a name of something that kind of pulled in the two different things about beer that can be uh, soothing and also exciting at the same time. So the, the silk being that flowy, um, uh, something that very easily uh, drinkable, especially in a fruited sour, mm-hmm. uh, but the static uh, having something that is a, a flavor uh, that can just generally spark something. So that Silk and Static name really kind of wants, I want to embody that with all of the different styles that we make in that line. I guess what the, the vegan oat based vanilla ice cream side is like sometimes will throw people off, but as an adjunct, oat makes a whole lot of sense in a lot of styles of beers that mm-hmm. we make. And I think that there's a mouthfeel. I think that there's an actual grain adjunct quality to it that doesn't feel like you're throwing ice cream at it, you it, it know?
0: It definitely feels different than putting a dollop of ice, which I've done. I mean, yeah. right. I think a lot of us have. But I was really glad I tried that. Yeah. I was way out of my comfort zone, I'll be honest.
1: Yeah, but When, it's you, not when you told thing me you I were going to get that, I said, wait, hold on. Lou, are you, <laughs> is that you? Was like, yeah, it's like a Scooby-Doo episode. Right. I want to pull the, the, mask the mask off. off. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah um I mean I'll be honest I wasn't, wasn't going to have another one that day right. but yeah. I will definitely have another one in the future sure yeah, yeah. No, it was a pleasant experience yeah it's good. fun to look at too
1: yeah yeah and it, and it has the it has all those textures um, yeah uh, we actually did the silken Static at the uh, the blue point cask fest last uh, oh, uh-huh. last week and we did it with a little bit of ghost pepper and cacao nibs with <laughs> with a triple orange okay. uh, caracara tangerine and blood orange. And it was the hit of uh, of the show, as far as uh, as it, when when you see these very accomplished brewers of New York at the end of the festival come back for mm. three or four full pours of it, uh,
0: <laughs> you, you know you you got somewhere you you know that yeah. uh, you made an impression. So <laughs> we're 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 uh, we're good with it. Not a question I had, but I just because you mentioned that I've got to say the the Lichtenhainer with the Ludo fruit, yeah. Holy crap! <laughs> it <laughs> that just Completely blew my mind. when I'm like I'm good. reading the can, I'm like, "The hell is this?" It was awesome. Yeah, thank yeah, appreciate sure. it. Yeah, that yeah. four pack didn't last long at all. No, like, <laughs> I
1: couldn't imagine it does because you know, I mean, that again, that that balance to to hit yeah. to hit smoke and and tart and the uh, lulo is already uh, somewhat tart uh, to begin with as a fruit, and it just it just worked. Yeah. You know. But, yeah. yeah, I was amazed by that. Yeah.
0: We talked, to, just touched barely on the kitchen. I was shocked to find out how small it is. Yes. How, how do you turn out, you don't have a large menu. We don't. But you have a varied menu. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I got to, my wife and I sat at the bar. We didn't eat, even though we wanted to, because we had told the, the your, your person at the door, no, 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 there was a line. And we're like, no, 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 we just want to drink. And she sat us at the bar with the understanding that we were just going to drink like, why did we say that? We should have waited. But the food looked and smelled tremendous, and it seemed to be coming up. How do you do that in such a small space?
1: Well, as a credit to our our chef, Johnny Mellet. We, we have a plan, of an ex, executable plan with our menu that it doesn't have to be the largest menu. We just change the menu regularly. I would much rather add versions or variations of what we do in future visits than try to create a... Uh, cheesecake Factory type of menu and do everything half-assed. Yeah. So the goal for us is to at least uh, give similar to our concept in the beer is to give some pub food options. You know, pretzel, uh, cheese curds, nachos. But to give each one of those a little bit of an interesting twist. So if we can just maybe skew a little bit to a particular flavor profile or something from any of those that they didn't get, or a textural change, uh, then I think again we're we're pushing the envelope a little bit for for things that people are comfortable with and still feel like they've been a little bit more adventurous in yeah. the, in their eating patterns.
0: Yeah, I, I, the long stuffed peppers was the thing that yeah never had anything like that. Yeah, It was great. Great, thank you. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah the, the and 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 spice if we add it to anything it's so subjective and that's the honestly the hardest part of food services is the amount of seasoning the amount of spice that is comfortable for one person and not for others you know, to me, I don't think that those uh, long, those long Hungarian peppers are like overly spicy. But for some people, it, it is. But uh, you never know. I mean, that's you um, can't no. You uh, know, everyone you can, you, is. You definitely. can only go with your heart, and then you just hope that those uh, those people that that eat it are um, can associate the
0: uh, the same experience. Altuna and Hershey, you're opening tap rooms. Uh, what's how's that going? Is it schedule on or?
1: Yeah. Well, Altoona, we decided to. Um, uh, to deep six for right now. Oh, we, okay. uh, it, it just felt like there was they were both gonna be opening around the same time, and mm-hmm. I felt like with Wondered our our, our timing of Altoona, just I think probably was um, was a little outrageous uh, to try to do both at the same time, especially that with food. Mm-hmm. So uh, Hershey starts uh, tomorrow. Actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so uh, the Hershey location is tomorrow. Uh, sorry, p- uh, tomorrow yeah.
0: being uh, November tenth. Uh, right? November tenth. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah,
1: we'll be open there on Thursday, Friday, Saturdays at the fresh market. Uh, the new, uh, it's a food hall concept in the second floor and uh, farmers market on the in the first floor. Great. So we'll be there. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice, and the the food there is outstanding. And it's uh, it's it's nice from my perspective that we can be in there and not necessarily have to worry about a lot of employees uh to to start with we can just really focus on the beer and get and get the word out about beer and then you know down the road you never know if, if it opens up uh some some avenues for people who really like what they have that side and we can we can look at a brick and mortar uh location in in southeast pa would be would be something that i would definitely be interested and,
0: in. and the, the place just to clarify it is just a tap room there's no brewing taking place there correct it's all being done here yes you only have a 10 barrel system in that yes Wow. Um, okay, It's you know, ambitious. We're, we're
1: keeping Roger busy. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: You had to have known this question was coming. The smoke beers. Yes. Um, the last time I talked to you, we talked about the possibility of a like a rotating smoke tap. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually talked to another brewer about that, and they're like, "Well, yeah, I mean the line's ruined, right. As well.
1: Yeah, you might as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's right. But I mean, I already see more smoke beers at your place. Than every other place in Central Pennsylvania combined. Yeah. Does it just work here? Does do you do you guys just like them and put them on anyway, or what's what's the story?
1: I think it's a combination of those those outliers, right? So we have uh, smoked with with the amount of smoked meats that we already do. I think that there is, and I think it's already on the palate here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's also in the air that they breathe being right next to the, <laughs> to the, to the smoke shack. Uh, well, you know, there's certain days where, you know, that's pretty much you're getting a, uh, a nice competition blend of, of hickory oak hitting you uh, anyway. So you might as well uh, add that. And, and to me, it, it is another textural, flavor component it's somewhat like that other layer of the asian word for you know the, oh, umami? The, umami right yeah, yeah. so it's it's that it's that umami factor where mm-hmm. it really can pull a lot of different things together and be uh, a component to uh, to a beverage that i really think can be surprising but also complimentary
0: well i don't think it it hurts that at least what i've seen you're not doing really conventional no. smoked beers either. I mean, mm-hmm. right now you have a smoked alt beer on. Right. I've seen that once before. Right. Um, before that, we, I mean, we already mentioned the Lichtenhainer, and you didn't just make a Lichtenhainer, you made a Lichtenhainer with fruit. Right. It's, you know, things like that are the things that, because I, I think there are a lot of people who see a, like a heavy, like a smoked bock or, you know, sure. things that immediately pop to mind when most people think of smoked beers, and that's not what you're getting. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's room for that in the winter, maybe. But
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I guess it all depends on the the restraint at times. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, a lot of our beers are have have notes of smoked. I mean, even the smoked malts. But I mean, you're seeing it with cocktails everywhere. I mean, I'm seeing co- I'm seeing smoked right. old fashions. I'm seeing you know, with the amount of scotch that people are still continuing to get into. I mean, I just feel like there is there's room on the palate beer wise to explore that flavor. I just think that it has to be restrained and also not peated. Um, Yes, because I think other people don't understand smoke or don't use it uh, in a culinary aspect. Then I think that it's going to hurt them. And 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 I would say that we treat all of our beers in a culinary way. Because you have to look at the, at, at the full thing. And, and when I say like the fruited sour, I have no problem with people doing fruited sours. But my problem with any beverage, no matter what it is, across the scope of non-alcoholic to alcoholic, is that the balance of it all has to be better. I mean, I think as, as, as producers, we have to be thinking more about balance because then if it tastes monotone, it could taste great, right? but if it tastes the same from, from that entire, from the then I feel like we've kind of, I, th- I, I see it as escapism, you know, more than I see it as, as really thinking about a beverage in, in a way that you want to have, you want it to change, you want it to evolve from the first sip to the last, and I don't necessarily see that happening with a lot of popular beer styles right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're just kind of screaming. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> or yeah, or not. You know, there's the there's the other opposite. There was. I'm glad you brought up cocktails because I forgot. I, w- I did want to ask you. You've got a, a fairly good selection of Pennsylvania spirits there. Yes, cocktail program. As I haven't explored that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have pre uh, pre designed ten to eleven cocktails that we make here. We don't really. We don't give you the option of really. Order yeah, menu. Get cra- getting crazy with that. Yeah. We we don't carry any Pepsi, Coke products. Uh, we make our own root beer, and then we uh, we have uh, Boylan's diet. Oh, okay. Cola and diet, uh, or they're just their regular ginger ale. Mm-hmm. But uh, we make our own ginger beer. And our own root beer soda. I mean, between between that, we kind of feel like, and we do Italian sodas, and oh, nice. and, and 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 obviously, coffee is uh, right. a, a big part of our non-alcoholic program, and our alcoholic program. To be honest, we make a lot of cocktails now with uh, with espresso, and uh, and cold brew coffee. Okay, yeah. So, Very nice. I mean, that kind of feels like again, it's another component that adds. Bitterness adds roasted notes. Adds a lot of um, caramelized carry uh, for a lot of cocktails that normally you would have to add a lot of sweetness to mm-hmm. uh, to really counteract. And with coffee, it it, it worked. Yeah, you are thinking culinary terms. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, again, it's just the idea. Of it. I always you know we we always think about it with the food that it comes out. You know, I I think some people get way too involved in the pairing aspect of what goes well with something else. Our palates individually have so much more personality than I think us educating somebody to say that is the only thing that you are to drink with that. And people have asked me that. Why don't you put uh, a recommended pairing for a particular thing? And that to me, that would be like suggesting a lot to somebody Without knowing a lot of things that they ate prior to or what they plan to eat afterwards, I feel like we can get out of our own way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with the pairing theory, yeah, um, I would just rather have something not be overly sweet, overly sour, overly anything, right. because then I think that, that changes so much more of what they're going to have at the end of the at, at the end of a meal, at the end of their uh, drinking. I mean, it's um, it's. I I feel it's a choose-your-own-adventure book, and I I don't really have, I I would say that I would feel silly suggesting to anybody how their story
0: should go. I remember somebody, and I I wish I could remember who it was, I've thought about this so many times in the years since, way back in the mists of my early start as as a writer, uh, another writer saying to me that they had decided that they should stop being prescriptive and just be descriptive. Hmm. Stop telling people what they should drink, and instead, here's what I had. Here's what it tasted like to me. Right. And I just feel the same way about the whole pairing thing. I've, I almost feel uncomfortable anymore when people ask me to do it. Yeah. It's like, well, for me, and then uh, that doesn't really help a lot. <laughs>
1: No, because it, it it's very similar to a tasting dinner. Uh, while they may be great, and I love certain chefs who are are uh, incredibly that uh, they have the forethought of what they want to create and how their journey goes with their food, I don't really see it as an exploratory. Uh, gastronomic experience as much as uh, a reason to charge $180 for a plate. Um, I, I think I, you know, I would take a well-executed one-pot dinner over a, a course of, of 18 dishes, not because I think that that means anything more to somebody's perception to it, but the simplicity and still be able to get the textures and flavors, everything right in one plate to me, I think is so much more of a challenge and so much more interesting than a bunch of different flavors over a course of, uh, over time. Now, yeah. I just, that's just my, my personality. Now I love going to Revival Kitchen and, and restaurants around here that, that but there's, that is executed in a way that doesn't actually have to be overly prissy it can be really good food yeah. just over a certain amount of courses i'm fine with that it's just i feel like when sometimes when the geekdom overcomes the the essence of food yeah. is where we could probably just do without it yeah relax a bit yeah 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 and take the formality out of some of the 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 f- the formal nature of what we should even appreciate in in well executed food or the ingredients that we get sometimes just feels like it you're you we're we're putting the cart before the horse you know
0: yeah reaching for things when there's stuff right in front of you yeah i just yeah that's all i have and this fly that's buzzing around i think he's driving both of us crazy so. i know
1: i know we're keeping our composure
0: <laughs> I know. all trying. we
1: want to do is like find a bulldozer for I this like
0: waiting for one of us to hit a microphone <laughs> Um, anyway, thank you. Yeah. Uh, greatly right. appreciate it and hope to be back here to, uh, to have a couple of beers soon. Anytime, All right. man. All right. Thanks, Luke. Take care. Yeah. I also wanted to tell you about our Christmas dinner. It was an adventure. If you've never seen Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub in Big Night, they play two Italian brothers trying to make a restaurant work. It's looking pretty grim, and they get talked into risking everything, inviting people all over town to a big night with the best that the brother in the kitchen, a demanding genius, has to offer. The centerpiece of that meal is a timpano, a cake-shaped baked pastry stuffed with all kinds of savory delight. Sausage, meatballs, hard-boiled eggs, salami, pasta, and cheese held together with eggs and a meat ragu sauce. The scene where they carefully turn the timpano out of the baking dish is marvelously suspenseful. See Big Night. It's a fantastic movie. Thomas and Nora, our son and daughter, thought this would be fun. They planned it for almost two months. Nora said, I think about it a lot, like, we should make a timpano, but this time the holidays were coming. It's significant work, significant effort, a significant output. It's an event. Well, we rewatched Big Night a week before, to get excited, and to look for details. There were already plenty of details in the Tucci cookbook, written by Stanley Tucci himself from Family Recipes. We'd given it to Nora for Christmas a few years earlier. We realized that this was going to take a couple days to put together. Kathy made meatballs early in the week and froze them, after we all sampled, and, well, damn, they were good! (laughs) With Christmas on Sunday, the ragu sauce would have to be made on Friday. Cans of San Marzano tomatoes were cooked with stew beef and pork short ribs. It was smelling great in the house. The recipe calls for the meat to be removed and eaten separately, while the sauce cools and then mellows overnight. So we did, and served the braised meats on house-made polenta. Why polenta? Nora said, Well, we didn't want to do pasta. We were going to have pasta in the timpano. I honestly didn't like polenta before, but this was good, rustic in a way. I feel like the Italian food we grew up with was either restaurant fancy or cooked from a can and a box, so handmade was good. Thomas got in from Philly just ahead of the storm on Friday. My real contribution was the sausage, he said. It's from a grocery store in Kensington called River Wards. I thought the meatballs were the best part, though. (laughs) The sausage was browned and cut into chunks salami and sharp provolone cheese were cut into knuckle-sized chunks, which was my main contribution, that and sharpening knives. The meatballs were thawed, the eggs cooked and sliced, and the ziti was cooked. Time to make the crust. The crust was, well, odd. It wasn't exactly a pie crust, and it wasn't like pasta either. The ratios are a little different, Nora explained. It's like the crust for meat pies. She and Kathy rolled it out on a table with their big French rolling pin. They had to roll it out to a rough circle with a 30 inch diameter to fit the dutch oven we were using as a form kathy greased the pot with olive oil and butter and the two of them draped the dough over it and gently pressed it in nora said you just kind of make sure there's no pockets around the bottom then you layer it like a lasagna starting with a layer of boiled ziti at the bottom which will be the top when it's done then a layer of sauce, layer of hard-boiled eggs and meatballs, a layer of pasta, then sauce, then another layer of stuff, till it's about full. Then you pour three beaten raw eggs over the top to create a seal as it cooked. Finally, Nora folded the dough over the top, wetting the edges to seal it so it wouldn't steam or boil over. And then you pop it in a 350-degree oven with the lid off for an hour. After an hour, we took it out and let it rest for half an hour. And then we put a cutting board across the top, took a deep breath, and flipped it. And it came right out, which was pretty cool. Nora laughed. The crust held together. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be a mess. I just assumed that was going to happen. But it didn't. It looked great. Then we had to wait another 30 minutes to cut it, which was hard to do because it smelled really good. Is it still too hot? Is it going to fall apart? The curiosity was killing us. Let's cut it. I guess it was still a little too hot. The first slice kind of burst out a little. But it largely held together. I have pictures at the Instagram account. If we'd been served in in a restaurant, we might have been a bit disappointed. But making it at home for the first time, it was wonderful. And it sure tasted wonderful. The eggs held up. The ziti was still moist. The salami was hot and tasty. And those meatballs, damn! We happily tore into it, with only a light salad as accompaniment, an IPA and red wine for drinks. After-dinner conversation turned to what we'd do next time. Little things, like roll the dough thinner, leave the hard-boiled eggs whole, let it rest a bit longer before slicing, and Thomas suggested we shred the provolone because the chunks didn't really melt. But mostly what we talked about was experimenting with the filling. Nora explained that Timpano is a regional variation of a dish called timbalo. There's a variety of kinds, some made with bechamel, different meats, sometimes potatoes. I'd really like to try making a roast pork sandwich timpano. Thin sliced pork, that really good sharp provolone, the greens and the garlic. Mm -hmm. Thomas added, I'd make one with plenty of meatballs, (laughs) and some brujol like Dad used to make for Christmas Eve. Then Nora put things completely over the top by bringing up an amazing lobster pie we'd had while on vacation in Nova Scotia in 2019. And I have to shout out to the place, the Helm Pie Company. Wow, we still talk about that thing. If we could combine a dimpano with that seafood pie, Nora said, that would be choice. I'll let you know how that turns out. It sounds like a trip to Maine Bay and Barry is in order. A postscript. The timpano was good, but I'll admit it wasn't exceptionally local. We made up for it on New Year's Day. I made a Pennsylvania Dutch traditional pork and sauerkraut dinner with locally butchered pork I got at Burkholder's, sauerkraut from Weaver's Market in Port Treverton, basted with Elk Creek Cafe's Brookie Brown Ale, and served with potatoes from Ardrey Farms in Howard. It was delicious, and good luck for 2023. Hey, I do have a heads up on an event for you. I'm not going to be running an events calendar. At least, I'm not planning to at this point. But this one kind of spoke to me. Phil Jensen, the distiller at Big Spring in Belfont, is also an avid home brewer, and he and I are both fans of a beer known as a Baltic Porter, a big cold-brewed dark beer. Well, he got to talking to the folks over at Axeman Brewing about a Baltic Porter he had made, and they decided to brew one. Then it got a little more involved. Phil gave them some used whiskey barrels to age some of the Baltic Porter, and when they were done, they took them back to Big Spring, where Phil used the Porter-soaked barrels to finish off aging of some corn whiskey. I can't wait to try both of them, and there's an opportunity to do that just around the corner. On Sunday, January 22nd, from two to four at Axeman, and at the same time the following Sunday afternoon at Big Spring, you can get a Baltic Boiler Maker, a five ounce pour of the straight Baltic Porter, another five ounce pour of the barrel aged beer, and an ounce and a quarter pour of the beer finished whiskey. Bring a driver, the beer is 8% and the whiskey is 87.9 proof. If you like it, you can buy the beer at Axeman and the whiskey at Big Spring. Phil and Axeman's Rod stall, will be at both tastings if you want to learn more about the beer and the whiskey. I'll definitely be at at least one of those tastings and I hope to see you there. That's the show. Thanks to Jason Euphema for the interview and the idea. Thanks to Don Logan and Dave Rhodes at Hungry Run. And thanks to my daughter, Nora, and son, Thomas, for pushing the Timpano idea. Thanks to Kathy for those meatballs. <laughs> you can find pictures of the Timpano, Stonefly Cafe, and Hungry Run Distillery on Instagram at Stag Podcast and on Facebook at Seen Through a Glass, where you'll find pictures and links and ways to contact me. STAG is now available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Please subscribe to get notice of new episodes, and if you like the show, please take a moment and drop a rating or review. Thanks! You can always message me directly on social media to let me know what you liked on an episode, what could be improved, and what Central Pennsylvania drinks and food producers you'd like to hear from. The next episode will center on the fantastic Pennsylvania Farm Show. I'll be going at least twice, checking on the wine, beer, cider, cheese, honey, grains, and so on, while trying new foods made with Pennsylvania mushrooms, meat, cheese, and maybe some trout too. I also got an interview with the guy behind the famous milkshake stand, a Pennsylvania winemaker, and the president of Buona Foods, who was working her tail off in the kitchen of the PA mushroom farmer's stand. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Lou Bryson on Scene Through a Glass from the smack dab center of the Keystone State.